Amen, amen. Easter is going to be amazing. I don't know if you can believe it, but Easter is only three weeks away. This year is flying by. Is anybody excited to be at church this week in all of our campuses? You excited to be here? I hope you are. Hey, I just want to take a second. I know in all of our hosting that we mentioned this, but we, we want to be for real about this. What, inviting people, going out and being the change, the light that our world needs. I want to encourage you, as you're filling your square out, but whether it's a family member, a coworker, a friend, a stranger, that put their initials in there. Pray as you fill that sucker out. We're going to lay hands. We're going to pray over this every week. I just want to ask you, if you're a prayer warrior, snap a picture of that. Pray for it in your quiet time. Let's ask God to move in a radical way. And you know, because we, we should have the most anticipation as believers of anybody. So take three, four, five of these cards. Uh, they, they, are, they are massive. So, you know, you're not going to sneak it in somewhere, sneak it in your, your bill or wherever as you go out to eat, whatever it might be. But we are expecting God to move in a mighty way. And that's why not only are we doing this in all of our lobbies, but also uh, this three weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to be in a series called House to House. Now, we as believers, we should have more hope than anybody. We should be more hopeful, more joyful than anybody on the planet. But hey, before I tell you our house-to-house hope, can I just shoot you straight? Uh, whenever you communicate, when you share your faith, uh, anything like that, you experience spiritual warfare. And I know we did the Daily Door series, and we did that. And I, I've, I've gotten the privilege to preach the gospel since I was 16. And I've experienced spiritual warfare. Uh, one weekend, we should just have pastor, myself, some people just tell you those stories. But over the last two weeks, we've experienced in my house more spiritual warfare than I would say we've ever experienced in this condensed of a time. Uh, and I really do believe it's because of this series we're going into. Uh, everybody in my house has got the stomach bug. Uh, when, when we were doing service last night, we thought I got on Friday night. And but Rachel, my wife, was about to go out and lead worship, gets a call uh, from our nanny that River, our son, had fallen off uh, the, the, the um, playground. And hey, his, his wrist might be broken. And so like, okay. We'll call you after church, right? So Rachel goes out there, leads worship. She comes off. She's on the phone, uh, and she, I'm about to go out and preach. And she's like, hey, River's broken his arm. Uh, just come meet us after you're done. And I'm telling you, uh, he's, he's, his, his wrist is broken, but he's tough. You know, he's earned it. No, I'm just joking. But I'm, I'm telling you, well, I'm telling you, there is so much spiritual warfare going on because the hope for this series is that we will go from God's house out to the houses of the people that God is calling us to share the gospel with and that we will bring them back to God's house. That we will go from God's house to the places and the people that God is calling us to share our personal salvation story with back to God's house. It's what he's called us to do. And this series leading up to Easter is going to equip you to do that. Now, about two weeks ago in the Bible reading plan. And hey, if you're not on the Bible reading plan, I wanna encourage you, there's a QR code on the screen. Hey, grab that QR code, hop on the Bible reading plan. I've been doing this plan for about 10 years and pretty much every day I get something fresh, a challenge from God. But about two weeks ago, uh, we were in a book called Numbers. Now I know when it comes to Numbers, you know, some of us have some PTSD of math and things like that, but I promise you there's no algebra in the book of Numbers. You're safe. But I want to read you what may seem like a pretty peculiar passage to you. Uh, and I want to read it and then just talk about what God's called us, how He's called it to 
us to apply it in our life. In Numbers 9, starting in verse 20, it says, uh, and, and I'm, I'm explaining to you, but it says, sometimes the cloud, I'll tell you what that means, was over the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was their place of worship. He says, over the tabernacle only a few days. And at the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then, and then at his command, at God's command, they would set out. It says, sometimes the cloud stayed over only from evening until morning. And whenever it lifted in the morning, they would set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they would set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, for a month, or for a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. And at the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they would set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with the command given through Moses. Now, that cloud by day, and at night, it says it was a pillar of fire. What that represented was God's presence, and it would rest over the tabernacle where they worshiped, and that presence would direct his people. When it lifted, they would go, and they would go wherever it rested. When it rested, they would rest, they would stay there. Can you imagine your life, your day-to-day -day being completely directed by the presence of God? Where you go, who you approach, what you focus on. Hey, is it possible that we've moved God's place, God's story, God's glory so far out of the camp of our everyday lives that no longer is God's story a part of our story at all. See, last week, Pastor shared an incredible message on grief and loss. I wanna encourage you, if you missed it, go watch it. Maybe if you watched it, share it with somebody who you know is in that place. But something interesting I've been processing about struggle and grief and tragedy is it leaves us all saying the same thing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this is happening. And today what we're gonna do is we're gonna do some preventative maintenance toward the greatest tragedy and the most heartfelt apology that we could ever have to walk through. And that's the tragedy of someone we love missing heaven, somebody that we know, or some, even somebody we don't know missing Jesus, that tragedy. And the apology of having to say, I'm so sorry I didn't share. I'm so sorry I didn't tell you. Just like in Numbers chapter nine, let's take a moment and ask God's presence to rest on us, to hover over us, and to guide us to why we should live, who we need to go to, and what God's calling us to do this week. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And I've been asking all week that you would do what only you could do, that you would just set us free. God, I know there's distraction. I have distractions. There's things going on. There's spiritual warfare. But God, you're bigger God, your calling is greater. Would you set your people free? Would you light us on fire? Like Jeremiah said, a fire in our bones to talk about the gospel. God, we love you. And we're believing you to move. We have high anticipation for what you're gonna do this weekend. In your precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, hey, welcome to Faith Promise, where I'm telling you we are hell-bent on saving people from hell by introducing them to Jesus. We wanna welcome you whenever and wherever you're joining us, whether you're at God Behind Bars or live online or live at one of our campuses, we are so excited. And I really do believe that we, we as a church, that you and me as individuals in our world, I really do believe this, 
We'll never be the same because of our time together this weekend. But before we get into what God has for us, I want us to take a little survey. So will everybody grab your phone out? Everybody get your phone out. Some of you guys got out a little too soon, almost like you're on Instagram or something, but I'll, I'll, I'll forgive that, right? Everybody get your phone out. There's gonna be a QR code on the screen. Now, there's three questions, and I'm gonna tell you what they are. There's three short questions. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna bother you like after this. It's an anonymous survey. So I would like everybody to take it. Three questions. Have you shared your faith in the last six months? The QR code will come back if you missed it. Keep your phone out. Have you shared your faith? When I say have you shared your faith, I'm not saying, have you said you'll pray for somebody? I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying you've invited somebody to church. I'm saying, have you shared what Jesus did in your life and give them an opportunity to receive Jesus? When I say shared your faith, that's what I'm talking about. Giving them an opportunity to pray a sinner's prayer right there and receive Jesus. The next question is, do you want to share your faith? Is there something in you drawing you that you have a desire to share your faith? And the last one, what word comes to mind when you think about sharing your faith? Is it fear? Is it inadequacy? Is it anxiety? Is it excitement? What is it? And so that QR code's back up here if you missed it. And we're gonna look at those results a little later together. But hey, just do that. It's anonymous. Be as honest as you possibly can. I don't know what you think about right now, as of today, when it comes to sharing the gospel when it comes to sharing your faith. But I pray after our short time together today, you're gonna to believe that you are gonna believe that the gospel is straight fire, that it's absolute fire. I mean, think about it. In many ways, fire is alive, right? All it needs is oxygen and opportunity. That's all the gospel needs. Oh, that's all that fire needs. But hey, fire doesn't need permission to spread and neither does the gospel. All the gospel needs is oxygen and opportunity. That's all the gospel needs to spread. But too many of us, and myself included, we can think of the gospel as dead weight. Maybe it's because it feels heavy with shame or fear or self-doubt. Maybe we don't feel like we know enough, or maybe we don't feel like we're ready enough. But hey, listen, the gospel, sharing our faith, shouldn't be this dead weight kind of burden on our back. Remember what Matthew said. He wrote down what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said that Jesus said this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That whenever, and Jesus is very clear. We're gonna read here in a minute. Jesus is very clear about telling us to share the gospel. Listen, the gospel shouldn't just be light on our back. It, it should really be something that gives us life, something that just fills us with faith and with purpose, right? There's nothing more important than helping somebody have eternal security with Jesus, right? But the gospel shouldn't just be light on our back. It is the light of the world. And Easter is the perfect time for us to remember that Jesus is alive. And listen, Jesus isn't dead. And the gospel is not dead weight for us to lug around. We need, we need a mindset shift as to what we think about when we think about sharing the gospel. If you're a Christ follower, listen, the flame of God's presence should be filling you. It should be coming out of you to the point, I really do believe it should change the, the smell, the feel, the atmosphere of the rooms that you're in. Have you ever been around a campfire? You know, like if you're within 10 feet of a campfire, it gets in your clothes, you smell like it, right? People know that you've been that. I pray that we smell like it. 
I really do. I pray that people can smell the presence. There's something different about you. I want you to be hot. I want you to just be waiting for your chance to spontaneously combust. Somebody just gives you an end and bam, you're right there. Part of the beauty of Easter is it reminds, I don't know about you, it reminds me of how much I need Jesus. And what it should do is it should also remind us how much the people around us need Jesus. Hey, listen, I don't know what you do for a living. Maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're in medical sales, maybe you're, you're a teacher, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent. Let me, let me just get, get this. There's nothing. I repeat, there's nothing you do that you offer that's more important than your relationship with Jesus. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing you offer your kids that's more important, nothing. There's nothing you offer your spouse that's more important. There's nothing you offer your family, your friends, the strangers you meet. There's not anything. But there's something that keeps us from doing that. The people around us need Jesus more than they need anything else. And hey, listen, if you're still not sure about Jesus, if you're not still sure about church, we're gonna share exactly what we mean by Jesus here in just a little bit. But whether you're a Christian or not, I believe a lot of us would agree and believe that we need Jesus the most. It seems like people look for Jesus the most during times of struggle and during times of pain. And actually in everybody's seat uh, at all of our campuses, there's a prayer card. Uh, this coming Saturday is our Saturday morning prayer service. And we're gonna pray over these cards because we believe our God that still does miracles. We believe our God is still changing lives and restoring families and restoring relationships. And so, hey, if you don't want us to contact you, that's totally fine. You don't have to put your name or your contact on there, but would you put where you're asking God to move? Hey, sometimes we need to borrow somebody else's faith, right? We need to ask somebody to pray for us. I do that every week. Well, do that, let us pray for you. So fill that out, put in the offering bucket as it goes by. But during those times of pain, during those times of strategy, wouldn't it be great if people could see and experience, feel God's presence in a tangible way? I mean, think about the time our nation's gone through, the pain, the struggle, the confusion. Wouldn't it be great if there was peace and clarity and love and precision in God's people? But going all the way back to Numbers chapter nine about God's presence lifting and raising and guiding his people. The saddest part about that passage is it's written in the past tense. They're talking about it as something that was happening, not something that's still happening. Why would that happen? Why, why would they still not be doing that? Well, the same thing happened to them that so often happens to us. They got distracted. They stopped following his presence. I mean, how many times it happened to us? Busyness, something else to do, another job to pursue, another person to go after. Can I tell you the top three things, no question, the top three things the devil wants to distract us from? Spending time with God, thinking about God, and talking to God. Spending time with God, thinking about, hey, you notice that? You notice that it's so crazy. You know that, like your quiet time, that's never addicting. Like Instagram or like pornography or like greed, right? Prayer's not addicting, right? Sure not. You know what? The devil is hell bent that those things wouldn't become part of who we are. There's no question. And actually of those things, spending time with God, thinking about God and talking about God, the one the devil's after the most, the one that's hardest for us is sharing our faith. Actually, I wanna look at, I wanna look at uh, some of the results from that survey. So let's look at that first question. 
Have you shared your faith in the last six months? So, and, hey, can I just be totally candid with you? I think this is optimistic. You know what I'm saying? I wanna, I wanna say some of my light in church. That's between you and the Lord, all right? But hey, hey, you know what? You, for real, we do need to celebrate that God has given us a church and a culture where we want to pursue the lost. So, hey, do you want to share? And we're going to move on from this, but hey, can I just tell you, let's not share our faith as often as we get our teeth cleaned. Because, you know, we'll dread it just like we dread getting our teeth cleaned. Right? My dentist in the room, I apologize. I just noticed. Different example for the service next time. But hey, go to the next one. Hey, do you want to share your faith? Hey, can we at least point out this? Do you see the disparity between the want to and the do? You know what I'm saying? And so, hey, what if we, what if we made over the next couple months at Faith Promise Church, what if we made it to where 96% were saying yes? And hey, we won't tell on a survey, even though we'll do the survey, we will tell in the waters of baptism. We will tell in the multiplication of groups. We will tell in more people serving. We will tell in marriages restored. We will tell in kids having moms and dads. I mean, that's how we'll see it. As the church shares their faith. And one more thing I want us to look at right here. What word comes to mind when you think about sharing your faith? Now, the over a thousand people have taken this survey, so it's getting a little hard to see, but those words are the biggest, are the words that have been said the most. You see that one in the middle, fear, anxiety, nervous, opportunity. And we're gonna fight as a church. We're gonna fight those words. Cause you know what, fear, God didn't give you that, right? Anxiety. He for sure didn't give you that. And hey, let me tell you, he does give you opportunities. I think we tend to miss them. And so we're gonna fight those words to the outside. Amen. And we're gonna see those words like love, freedom, excited. We're gonna see those things elevate as God continues to pursue faith promise to be a leader in this. I wanna tell you, hey, we have to know this. Any temptation that you face, is the, is the devil's plan is to keep you from sharing your faith. Now, it may be just immediately trying to stop you from sharing it, or it may be four or five steps down that you would do. He is trying to keep you from sharing your faith because it's a direct mandate from Jesus. See, before Jesus left, I want to tell you the last two things that Jesus said before he left. In Matthew 28, verses 17 through 20, it says, then they saw him and they worshiped him, but some doubted. That is, that is not an accident that the last people Jesus talked to that some doubted. Just because you doubt does not disqualify you from sharing your faith. That is a lie from the enemy. In verse 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I know that's scary. Every time I share my faith, right? There's somebody, Jonathan Darling, who's in this service right now. He watched me do it this week. Was my stomach knotted up? Of course it was. Yes. But you know why we can do it? Because that last verse, Jesus said, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He wouldn't bring you to something. He wouldn't bring you through. Amen, Faith Promise Church. He's going to take us there. Let's look at this last thing in Acts 1, verses 8 and 9. He said this, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You, 
and you will be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Hey, let me just stop right there real quick. Samaria, you know why that's important? They didn't like Samaritans. Samaritans voted different than they voted. They looked different than they looked. They used different words than they used. But Jesus, he could have used any city. He could have said Thessalonica. He could have said Ephesus. He could, but he said Samaria. Because biblically, there's not any excuse to not share your faith with anybody. And to the ends of the earth, there's no parameters on this gospel. And after he said this, he was taken up and before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. The last thing he said, was go to the ends of the earth. Man of God, woman of God, you are called to share your faith. The burden that God's put on our church, I'm telling you, it's indescribable for us to be a leader. Our kingdom, one of our kingdom contributions as a church will be that we will lead the way in more people getting saved Monday through Friday than they do on Saturday and Sunday. I'm telling you, I've wrestled with God because this is challenging, right? I've wrestled with God. God, what do we communicate to get us to move forward? I believe there's three things that God wants us to talk about today. And maybe you've seen this little Simon Sinek TED talk uh, that he did, but we're gonna talk about three things today. We're gonna talk about the why. You have to have a good why. A, a, a why that keeps you going even when it's hard. We're gonna talk about the why, and then we're gonna talk about the who. Let's not judge penmanship today, right? We'll talk about the why. We'll talk about the who, and then we'll talk about the what. We'll talk about why should we do it. We'll talk about who should do it. And then we'll talk about the what, how do we do it? And we work our way out from this why, out to who should do it, out to what do we do, out to what I believe will be revival. And so what, or sorry, why do we share our faith? Let's go to God's word. In Matthew 24, it says, but about the day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, that's Noah in the flood, right? So will be in the coming of the son of man. Get this, get the weight of this. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up until the day that Noah entered the ark, up until the day it was too late. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. They knew nothing until it was too late. And that is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Man, think about this. It says two men will be in the field. You'll be at work. You'll be at the bar out to you having a, having a drink, having a, having a steak with your friend. You'll be at the ball field watching your, your sons, your daughters play. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill. Ladies, you'll be at work. You'll be getting coffee. You'll be at a play date, whatever. And then one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house knew what day the, or the time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So also it must be with you. We must be ready because the son of man will come in an hour. We do not expect, we have to be ready. I'm telling you, we're gonna talk about it for three weeks, but the why? There will be a time when you can't do it anymore. There'll be a time when worship will be all we do. When you're in heaven, the only thing that we know you can't do is share your faith. That's the why. And it's compelling enough to move us. Listen, we don't know when the separation will happen. There will be a separation from people who know Jesus and people who don't. People going to heaven and people going to hell. Yeah, that's biblical. 
And that separation will not be based on their family. It will not be based on their works. When me and Jonathan were together and, and we shared our faith, this, that, 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 young, that young lady thought that it was gonna be her works that got her there. I don't know about you, I'm not placing that bet on my good works. It won't be your thoughts about God. This is our why. There will be a separation one day. What about the who? That's the why. What about the who? Who should share their faith? Should it be pastor? Should it be group leaders? Should it be people who work at the church? Who should share their faith? All of us should share our faith. This is not a, a function of profession. This is not a function of gifting. This is a function of lineage. As being a son or a daughter, someone who is saved tells people to be saved. In Matthew 5, 14, this is my daughter, JL. This is her verse for the year. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, we can't put our fire under a bowl. There's no oxygen there. There's no opportunity. We have to pump the oxygen of the gospel into our walk with God. You may feel like, gosh, Zach, my, my spiritual life feels lifeless. Well, is your lifestyle gospelless? Because that's the oxygen. That's the opportunity. That's one of the reasons you were given it. Students, before you're anything, you are the light. Before you're a jock, before you're a straight-A student, before you're a son or a daughter, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you are a light. Hey, parents, we shouldn't curse the dark and make posts about it. We should pursue the dark. That's because there's people out there. Someone's kids are out there. God's kids are out there, Christ follower. If you're unsure how to do it, come to Next Steps. On April 3rd, our next round of Next Steps, come, let us equip you to win the world, join a winning team. I'm, I'm telling you, your world will never be the same after that. Finally, we've talked about why we do it. We've talked about who should do it. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Now, I know this is probably not a huge surprise to many people that we should be sharing our faith. Why is it so hard? Because there's a spiritual war raging. Ephesians 6 describes a spiritual war raging. And listen, if the devil has to pick one battle to win, it's this one. If the devil has to pick one battle, it's us sharing our faith. Because he knows, first of all, it's people whether they go to heaven or hell. He knows, I'm telling you, we start sharing our faith and step out there and praying together and being bold together and joining with our spouses and our kids and our coworkers and our groups around a mission of seeing people go to heaven and miss hell, he knows our relationships would be better, our self-confidence would be better, our vision, our purpose, all that will be better. And he is hell-bent on people going there and us missing our call. So what do we do? I'm gonna give you two things. The first thing we have to do is we have to be broken for people far from God. Hey, I pray for this every day. I'm a professional Christian. If I'm not careful, I'll go from home, where they're all Christians, to work, where they're all Christians, back to home, if I'm not careful, I can live my life and never see a lost person, right? But we fight for that to not be the case. We have to be broken. Hey, if you're broken, you make it happen. There's, I, I've talked to some of you guys, y'all have learned how to build a whole shower on YouTube. If you want to, nothing can hold you back. Listen, hey, 
How many of us are broken over people going to hell and not to heaven? Are, are we broken over, over people who are, are, who are lifeless? Hey, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this. A lot of us, we say we wanna know God better. We wanna know God deeper, right? That's, that's what we want. We, we, wanna, we wanna walk with God. Hey, listen, if you wanna walk with God, I've got an idea about which way he's walking. Towards his kids that don't know him. Hey, I'm a dad. I'm a dad, I've got three kids. And if my kids were lost and you wanted to spend time with me, you know where you'd find me? It wouldn't be a home. It wouldn't be a church. It'd be in my truck with all my windows down. JL! River! Valor! You'd find a desperate dad looking for his kids. If you want to spend time with God, if you want to see signs and wonders, if you want to see God move in a miraculous way, if you want your kids to experience the greatest things they experience to be spiritual and not social, it'll come from us sharing our faith, I'm telling you. So let me, I'm gonna give you a practical way to do it. We're gonna do it this week. There's gonna be hundreds of people saved because of this tool. It's one I just learned about. It's called Apology Evangelism. Apology Evangelism. What you're gonna do is you're gonna find somebody, a, a neighbor, a best friend, a family member, whoever it might be that you haven't shared your faith with and that you know you should have. And that's okay, God's not a God of shame. God's a God of opportunity. This is what you're gonna say something like this. I'm so sorry, but I've never shared the most important thing about me with you. I've never told you about the best thing that's ever happened to me. I feel terrible, but if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love to make it right right now and tell you about something I've never told you about. Can you imagine if your friends started telling you that, how you would lean in? How you would lean in, like, oh my gosh, what are they gonna tell me? What if they never told me? And at the end of that, you're gonna tell them. It may feel cheesy to you, that's the devil. It may feel like a bait and switch to you, that's the devil, I'm telling you. Let's share our faith. Believers, I know you can do it. Right now, we're gonna have a time of reflection. We're gonna have a time of response. Listen, big one. We're gonna have a time of responsibility. We're gonna enter back into worship at all of our campuses. And there's candles at all of our campuses in the front and the back. And you're gonna come and you're gonna take a, you're gonna take a match and you're gonna light that candle. And what you're gonna ask God to do is you're gonna pray for a fire to be started in your life and you to be a light to the world. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 20, verse nine, he said that the gospel was like a fire in his bones, a fire in his bones. And I pray that you would just ask God, we need God to move right here. We need God to change our hearts that we don't see people as Democrats or Republicans, moms and dads, uh, beautiful and not beautiful, that we see people as saved and lost. But we need God, I need God to change my heart. And so can we ask him? Can we worship? Don't take the candle back to your seat, just light it. And symbolically tell Jesus, please light a fire in my heart and let me be a light to the world. God, we come before you right now and we ask you to move in our lives and our hearts in a radical way. We ask that Holy Spirit, that you would go and do something far beyond what we ever imagined, that our lives would never be the same. I pray that hundreds and hundreds of people will get saved, that we would be packed with baptisms the next two or three weeks leading up to Easter. Can you imagine that? 
more baptism leading up to Easter. The Easter we just celebrate through revival that you started through your obedient people. Move in this time. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Whenever you're ready, let's move.